October 1st, 2009, was just another ordinary day in my life, until it wasn't. At that time, I was a sophomore at the University of Kentucky. That day, I probably went to class, probably, probably got some lunch at Ovid's and spent some time with friends. Honestly, I don't really remember much about that day, but that night was unbelievable forgettable. That night, I went to a Bible study, not because I was a Christian, but because I thought I was a Christian. I didn't even have a Bible, much less read one, but I thought I was a good person, and I thought that's what good people do is they go to Bible studies, so I should probably do that. It also helped that the Bible study was literally right down the hallway, so I kind of felt obligated to go, and so I went. Probably 10 or so of my friends were there, and we were listening to this guy named Casey tell us about this guy named Jesus. Now, we'd all heard of Jesus before, but none of us were really following him. And after the Bible study ended, some of us stuck around and just started peppering with Casey with all these, what we thought were really tough questions. Like, if God is so good and all-powerful, then why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? Or, what happens to the innocent man in Africa who never gets to hear about Jesus? This went on for about an hour or so until around midnight, Casey said these words, and I will never forget them. He said, you all have asked a lot of great questions tonight, but you haven't asked the most important question. The most important question is, Are you all in with Jesus? After that, he shared the gospel with us again. And that is when the craziest things started happening. (laughs) I can't make this up. One of the toughest, wildest guys I knew fell on the ground, started crying, and yelled out, I'm all in. I'm all in, Jesus. And that's when it happened. There was one thought And at that night, that moment, that was just pounding through my brain over and over and over again. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was, if this is true, then this changes everything I have ever thought about Christianity. Because by God's grace, that night, for the first time in my life, I realized that Christianity is not about what I do but about what Jesus did. By God's grace, for the first time in my life, I genuinely repented and believed. By God's grace, he changed my heart. At that moment, I became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, everything in my life completely changed forever. And by every indication in our text... This was just another ordinary day in the life of Elisha, until it wasn't. What we find in this text in 1 Kings 19 is the story of the one moment when everything in Elisha's life completely changed forever. And it's from this story that we learn some important lessons about discipleship that I hope will change our lives forever. But before we can talk about Elisha's life-changing day, We need to talk about Elijah's life-changing day. Because 
Elijah and Elisha lived during a dark time in the history of the nation of Israel. Under the leadership of evil King Ahab and his equally evil wife, Jezebel, the people of Israel were full-blown idolaters, full-blown idol worshipers. So God sent the prophet Elijah to have an epic showdown with the prophets of Baal. And fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice down to the very stones. But unfortunately, the hard hearts of the people remained. The major spiritual revival that Elijah was hoping would come doesn't happen. And instead, Queen Jezebel puts out a death warrant for Elijah. And so, depressed and discouraged, Elijah wanders out into the wilderness hoping to die. But God sent an angel to sustain him for 40 days, 40 nights, till he reached Mount Horeb, where God shows up again, but this time to break up the stony heart of Elijah. God spoke to him in a low whisper and sent him to go anoint a new king in Israel and a new prophet for Israel. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 19. It's this story, the calling of Elijah, that teaches us some life-changing lessons about discipleship. Look with me, beginning in verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. After his life-changing encounter with God, Elijah leaves the comforts of his mountain cave to go and find Elisha. Now, I'm going to try very hard today to not get those names mixed up, but you're going to have to listen very carefully. Elijah's name means Yahweh is God. Elisha's name means God saves. So Elijah finds Elisha at work, working in the fields, plowing with 12 pairs of oxen. Now, in an agrarian society like ancient Israel, you couldn't tell how wealthy a person was by the car they drive or by the neighborhood they live in. No, the way you tell how wealthy a person is by how much land and animals that they own. And so the fact that Elisha was plowing a field large enough that he needed 24 oxen to get the job done tells us that he was from a very wealthy family. He was not just a poor student struggling to make it through prophet school. By the standards of his day and age, he probably had a very comfortable life. And that's going to be a very important detail for us to remember as we get into the rest of this story. So Elijah finds Elisha working out in the fields, and verse 19 continues, Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. (laughs) Now, let's just pause here for a moment and be honest. This seems a little strange, doesn't it? Just imagine you're at work one day and a man on the FBI's most wanted list just happens to be passing by and just throws his coat on you and takes off. Well, that's not exactly what's going on here. First of all, let's talk about that whole throwing the cloak thing because that was no ordinary cloak. Just like today where There's some professions we can immediately recognize by their uniform. It was the same in ancient Israel. And so, as a prophet, Elijah had a very distinctive uniform. He wore a long, hairy cloak with a leather belt around his waist. Everybody knew who Elijah was and what Elijah did based on what he was wearing. 
So when he takes that cloak and he throws it on Elisha, he is making it known in no uncertain terms that Elisha has been called to be a prophet. It's like medical school students. First-year medical school students have a special ceremony called a white coat ceremony where all their friends and all their family get together and come, and there's this moment, this special moment when a white coat is placed upon them, signifying that they are on the path to being a future doctor. The white coat is a symbol of the profession of doctor. And in the same way, this furry cloak was the symbol of the profession of prophet. So by placing this cloak upon him, Elijah was publicly signifying that Elisha had been called to become the future prophet of Israel. But also notice in this text that at first glance, it just seems like Elijah just happens to be passing by, just taking an afternoon stroll. But we know there's more to it than that. Before Elisha was called, Elijah was sent. God commanded Elijah to go and specifically call Elisha to follow in his footsteps and become Israel's next prophet. So this is no random encounter. Elijah obediently seeks Elisha out in response to God's command to prepare him for his future ministry. And this is where we get a glimpse of one of those life-changing lessons about discipleship. Discipleship requires submission. I think you probably already knew that, right? If discipleship is helping another Christian become more like Jesus, then in order for that to work at all, it's going to require that that person actually submits, that they actually listen to us, that they follow the teaching and example that we give them. But I wonder if you've considered lately that discipleship requires submission for the disciple and for the disciple maker. Before Elisha could submit to God's will for his life to become Israel's next prophet, Elijah had to submit to God's will for his life to go and call and disciple Elisha. And the same is true for you and me. No disciples will be made anywhere unless we submit to God's command to go and make disciples of all nations. We are all commanded to make disciples. So that means over the next few weeks, as all these college students start showing up, don't be looking around for somebody else to disciple them. God's will is that you will disciple them that you will introduce yourself to them and invite them out to a meal, out to read the Bible and pray together. Before college students will be called to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth, someone must be sent to call them. Ashland Church, you are sent. But submission for disciple makers is not just limited to disciple making. We must submit to God's will in every area of our lives. Because if we don't submit to God's will for our lives, then we can't expect our disciples to submit to God's will for our lives. If we're not submitted to God's will to be sacrificial givers, then we can't expect our disciples to be sacrificial givers. If we're not submitted to God's will to share the gospel, then we can't expect our disciples to share the gospel. We must submit to all of God's will because as Jesus says, 
a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. That's a scary thought if you think about it. That means in order for us to make disciples of all nations and to teach them to observe all that Christ has commanded them, we must submit to all that Christ has commanded us. So first and foremost, before any discipleship can happen, before anyone can be helped to follow Jesus, we must submit to God. Submission is required for disciple makers and for disciples. And we see that as the story continues in verse 20. Look with me there. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. Elisha immediately understands what Elijah has done. Elisha has been called by God to follow Elijah as his disciple and eventually become his successor. In a moment, everything in Elisha's life has completely changed forever. And it appears that Elisha has already decided what he's going to do. He's going to become the disciple of the king and queen's most wanted criminal. He's going to submit. But first, he wants to say goodbye to mom and dad. Look how Elijah responds in verse 20. And he said, go back again, for what have I done to you? This again seems like another bit of odd behavior. Seems like a weird thing to say, doesn't it? Until we realize what Elijah is actually saying here. What he's really saying is, go back again, for what have I done to you? In the sense that Elisha is free to go back and talk to his family, say goodbye to them, maybe even allow them to have some input into his decision, because ultimately it was not Elijah who was calling Elisha, it was God. Elijah is reminding Elisha that discipleship requires submission. Submission to God. That's true for disciples and disciple makers. Discipleship requires submission, but that's not all it requires. We see that as the story continues. Look at me at verse 21. And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Elisha goes back to his parents and then he takes the wooden yokes from off of all of the oxen. He makes a big fire and he takes a pair of oxen. He sacrifices them, cooks them up, and then feeds everybody, all his friends and family. He has a big party, a special party to celebrate the special occasion. But this isn't a job promotion party. This is a going away party. By sacrificing his oxen and tools, Elisha is not just quitting his lucrative job. He's leaving his entire old way of life behind to follow Elijah and be his disciple. He's leaving behind the comfort of his wealthy home. And he's leaving behind his closest loved ones. That's why he kisses his father and mother goodbye. He's, or that's why he kisses them. He's kissing them goodbye. He's kissing his whole old way of life behind. What's going on here? is a picture of complete sacrifice. Elisha sacrifices his livelihood and his family in order to faithfully follow Elijah. He gives it all up to submit to God's will for his life. He's sacrificing his work, his money, 
his family, his plans, his friends, his dreams, his hopes, all of it, everyone and everything in order to submit to God's will and become Elijah's disciple. Verse 21, then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Elisha sacrifices everything to submit to God's will and become Elijah's disciple. And that is exactly what God is calling you and I to this morning. That's the other life-changing truth about discipleship we learn from this story. Discipleship requires submission and sacrifice. In order to be a faithful disciple, we must make sacrifices. You're going to have to sacrifice your pride and open up with a Christian who's older and wiser than you about your sin struggles with porn or bitterness or anxiety or gambling or whatever it may be. And you're going to have to submit to listen to their teaching and follow their example. You're going to have to sacrifice the facade you've created of your picture-perfect life or your picture-perfect family and be open and honest with your Bible fellowship group and let them know what's really going on and have them pray for you and give you counsel. You're going to have to sacrifice some of your time so that you can meet one-on-one with someone who can teach you more about God's Word and help you apply it to your life. We must make sacrifices to be a faithful disciple of Jesus and to faithfully make disciples of Jesus. To faithfully make disciples of Jesus might mean that you're going to have to sacrifice some of your me time. Listen, I know that some of you this fall would rather be watching college football all alone on a Saturday afternoon, but it won't kill you. It's not that big of a sacrifice to invite a couple college students over to watch with you and then to give you an opportunity to talk to them about following Jesus. It might mean that you're going to have to sacrifice a little sleep to get up earlier and go out to coffee with a college student to read the Bible together and pray. To faithfully make disciples, it means that for those of us with full-time jobs, we're going to have to sacrifice some of our money so that those who are full-time students can go to New Orleans or Peru next summer to make disciples. Those of you who are introverts are going to have to sacrifice some of your comfort and go up to a college student you've never met before and introduce yourself and get to know them and invite them over for a meal so they can get connected to your family and to this church family. In order for disciples to be made, sacrifices must be made. And here's why. Discipleship requires sacrifice and submission because Jesus requires sacrifice and submission. And Jesus doesn't just require any kind of sacrifice and submission. Jesus requires total sacrifice and total submission. When one of his would-be disciples asked to first go say farewell to those at home to go back and kiss father and mother goodbye, Jesus said, no. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Why? Elijah let Elisha put the plow down and go back and say goodbye to his father and mother. Because someone greater than Elijah is here. Elijah was a prophet who spoke the word of God, but Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. Jesus is the prophet 
that Moses prophesied would come. And so Jesus raises the bar of discipleship as high as it will go. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Listen, if you tell a Muslim international student to repent and believe in Jesus, whose entire family for generations upon generations have all been Muslims, if he actually repents and believes in Jesus, then to his family, it's going to look like he hates them. But that sort of stuff happens here too. You know that, right? That sort of stuff happens here in eastern Kentucky, where family roots run deep down into this clay soil. Just ask Stephanie Durnell. Ask her about that first conversation she had when she told her family that she and Josh were thinking about going down to New Orleans to be a part of a church plant. That wasn't an easy conversation. But Jesus will not allow us to let anyone get in the way of his will for our lives. My family won't let me. Or my family wants me to stay here this summer are not valid excuses for Jesus. Now, I know for some of you, this probably sounds way too hard. You are so close with your family that you could never imagine saying goodbye. But for some of you, this sounds way too easy. You've already said goodbye to family for whatever reason, whether it was a death or divorce or a family conflict or job relocation. But Jesus won't let either group off the hook. Jesus goes even further. He doesn't just demand we sacrifice our entire family. He demands that we sacrifice our entire lives. Because unlike Elijah, Jesus doesn't say, take up my cloak and follow me. Jesus says, take up my cross and follow me. That means we must completely die to ourselves and to everything this world has to offer in order to follow Jesus. Every desire, every job, every loved one, every plan, every dream, every scent, every one and everything. We must sacrifice and submit to King Jesus. We must kiss our whole former life goodbye. There's no other way because Jesus does not accept partial disciples who make partial sacrifices and give him partial submission over some parts of their life for some parts of the time. That's not the way it works. It's either all or nothing. And so it all comes back to the most important question. Are you all in with Jesus? If not, now is the moment to repent and believe. Now is the moment to sacrifice everything and follow Jesus. Now is the moment when everything in your life could completely change forever. Because here's the good news you cannot miss today. If today is going to be a life-changing day for you, you have got to get this. Discipleship requires sacrifice and submission because discipleship requires Jesus. Think about it. No one has ever submitted more than Jesus. 
No one has sacrificed more than Jesus. For billions and billions of years, for all of eternity past, God the Son had dwelt in perfect happiness with God the Father. They had a perfect relationship. Jesus had never once left his Father's side. And yet, Jesus sacrificed that perfect relationship and said that hard goodbye to take on flesh and live among us. When Jesus left heaven, he didn't just sacrifice a couple of oxen to come and live here. He sacrificed the cattle on a thousand hills. He sacrificed infinite wealth to be born into a poor family where at times he was literally homeless and had nowhere to lay his head. Every day of his life, he completely submitted, submitted to God's every command. Not once did he ever fail. He submitted to God's command even to make disciples. Remember? One day, he just happened to be passing by a couple of brothers who were working as fishermen. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Peter and Andrew immediately left their nets and followed him. No goodbyes, no turning back. On another occasion, he was passing by a tax booth and called Matthew, a tax collector, to follow him. And like Elisha, Matthew had a big party, a celebration, a special meal to celebrate. Jesus faithfully discipled these men and others in submission to God's will, to God's plan, until Jesus was called upon to make the greatest sacrifice. And even when he faced the greatest test the night before he died, he said, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus submitted to the hardest sacrifice and said the hardest goodbye of them all when he submitted to the cross where he was stripped of his cloak and crucified in our place. The people who gathered around the cross They wondered, wondered if Elijah would come back on his fiery chariot and maybe rescue Jesus. But Elijah didn't show up. On the cross, Jesus said goodbye to his mother Mary and to all his friends. But that was not the hardest goodbye. The hardest goodbye there has ever been or ever will be was when God the Father said goodbye to his one and only son. When God the Father said goodbye to the one person he loves more than anyone, more than anything, on the cross, the Father said goodbye to his son. He let his son go. And the moment he did, All his wrath for all our sin crushed the son. It crushed him and it killed him. That was the hardest goodbye. But it wasn't goodbye forever, was it? Three days later, his son was back. Back from the grave. So that now by faith in Jesus, all our sins are forgiven. 
So now, by faith in Jesus, we can be his disciples. So now, by faith in him, Jesus casts his cloak of perfect righteousness upon us. So now, whenever the Father sees us, he immediately identifies us as his chosen, precious child who's on the way to a future of eternal life and eternal joy with him. Jesus sacrificed everything and submitted to everything God commanded in order to make us his disciples. That's why discipleship requires Jesus. Without Jesus, without his perfect sacrifice and his perfect submission, we could never be disciples and we would never make disciples. Because it's not until you really see just how much Jesus sacrificed for you that you will be willing to sacrifice everything for him. It's not until you really see how he left everything and everyone behind to save you that you will be willing to leave everyone and everything behind to follow him. It's not until you realize how hard it was for Jesus to leave his father and say goodbye for your sake that you will be willing to leave your family and friends and say goodbye for his sake and go to New Orleans or Peru or the ends of the earth to make disciples. Parents, grandparents, it's not until you realize, until you see just how hard it was for the father to say goodbye to his only son for your sake that you will be willing to say goodbye to your children and your grandchildren for his sake to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. It's not until you realize that Jesus sacrificed his eternal comfort and infinite wealth that you will be willing to part with your temporal comfort and your limited money to make disciples. Only when you see how hard and heavy the yoke was that Jesus submitted to on the cross will you be willing and see that all of his commands including his commands to go and make disciples, are easy and light. And when we fail, which we certainly will, when we fail to submit and we're bad examples of faithful disciples, when we fail to sacrifice as we ought to, the only way we'll keep going is when we know that it's Jesus' perfect sacrifice and Jesus' perfect submission that saves us. And by his grace, we can repent and try again. Jesus' sacrifice and submission make discipleship possible. And Jesus' sacrifice and submission give us the motivation we need to keep sacrificing and keep submitting to make disciples of all nations. Jesus sacrificed everything and submitted to the cross to make us his disciples so that by faith in him, we can submit and sacrifice and take up our cross and go and make disciples of all nations. And that starts right here in Madison County, right here with our lost family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, and yes, even with college students. I wonder how many college students will someday be able to say that they were just having another ordinary day until someone like you passed by until someone like you shared the good news with them and in a moment 
Jesus completely changed everything in their lives forever.